0: Man, we're going out, just as Pastor David said, uh, the unction of the Holy Ghost inspired utterance. We're going out in a blaze of glory. Yes. He always saves the best for last. You know, it's amazing. Yes. Uh, to be part of that group is pretty wild. So that's what we got into this morning. So I'll pick up where we left off and try to get Pastor David to preach tonight. Maybe you preach tomorrow or tomorrow night or whatever. We'll do, I'll do whatever you <laughs> say to do. And you notice they never asked me to sing, you know. I, 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 I do all these meetings with like David and Ray and Wayne and I go, you know, you never asked me to sing. And, and, and I think I know why. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a protective mechanism that I get it. Praise the Lord. Why don't we pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you. Thank you for dying for us. We're amazed that you let yourself be killed for us. And, and Father, you raised Jesus from the dead. We thank you for in this hour such displays of the resurrection. We give You glory, we give You honor, and give You praise. Thank You for insight tonight about uh, things that will transpire and how close we are to the entrance of the King. Uh, may, may, may Your heart be filled with gladness, Father, that Your kids will be with You so soon. So we thank You for this day that we live, Lord. Great strength, great strength for every believer in this room. Great boldness for every believer in this room, Lord, that every person in this room would finish their course with joy. We thank You for it, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. You know, I was thinking of an angel story. It's weird how you'll think of a story and then you got up and said that, but uh, I'll give you a couple quick ones. I was in Corbin, Kentucky. This is the birthplace of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Pastor, friend of mine, great guy. He was kind of discouraged, and you know, because his church wasn't growing. I said, dude, Kentucky Fried Chicken started here in Corbin. I've preached in Bangkok. I've preached in Sweden. There's a Kentucky Fried Chicken there. So you can have something come from your town, go all over the world. And this last year, a few months ago when I was there, he told the story that I was there before. But there was a woman I had a word of knowledge that someone had palsy. You don't really hear the word of knowledge of that very often. I said, there's somebody here you got palsy and I was in a hurry because I'd preached on end times and said, You're healed a little bit later in the evening, uh, this woman was sitting beside this young lady and she said, you know what? What just came on you came on me. This woman had Bell's palsy and the power of God came on her and healed her and then went off to the person sitting beside her. The girl was so freaked out that she was healed of palsy. At 12.30 that night, she called her Baptist pastor and she said, I know Jesus doesn't heal anymore, but I think He healed me tonight. (laughs) And and the Baptist pastor said, yeah, don't tell anybody either, but I believe He still does too. Hallelujah. (laughs) So the kindness of the Lord to reach out to people. It's just amazing. Doesn't even, doesn't even know what it is. And it's the power of God coming on her to heal her body. Amen. I was just in Oakland, Iowa, and I was there years ago, and the, the real normal church, the, I taught the pastor's sons how to use their handbrake to do 180s, you know, in the snow, and they started doing it on dry pavement and ruined their wheels. So it's a real normal church. Nobody he harasses me every time I go there that I messed his kids up. But anyway. I was there one year and I had a word of knowledge that a woman had been in a car wreck. This woman came down. And I was getting ready to pray for her. I actually had my hand on her shoulder. And as I had my hand on her shoulder, I was speaking the Word. I always speak the Word. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. By the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. And the Lord said, back away from her. I thought, okay, so I backed away from her, I looked up, there's an angel standing right there, huge, about nine, ten feet tall, you know, radiating the glory of God, had his hand on her back, kinda of like that. I didn't say a word about the angel, I said, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. I said, how are you doing? She goes, on oh, my shoulder healed. Then I went on to praying for some other people, kinda of got in a hurry. After the service, you know how you kinda of walk around, talk like this, Pastor Mike Callstrip, the pastor came walking up, I said, dude, I saw an angel standing right behind that lady, uh, earlier tonight. He goes, oh, wow, that's cool, he knows I'm not crazy or weird. Right then that lady came walking down. She said, you know what? You had your hand on my shoulder and I could feel it and then you backed away from me but I could still feel a hand on my shoulder. And I looked at Pastor Mike and I winked like that. I didn't say a word to her about the angel. She said, you know, I didn't get to tell you what happened to me. My shoulder got healed but I was going in for them to repair my Achilles tendon. They were going to wrap my tendon and staple it. She said she went back to her seat and the power of God went down into her leg and her Achilles tendon was instantly healed. So, you know, we... We so have almost underestimated how radical He is. He's just good. He's just extremely good. And not, there's nothing too hard for Him. Oh, I think I might preach. Hold on. Here we go. (laughs) You know, it's weird you get into times and you have to go into so much information that you don't get to preach a lot. Uh, but, but Jesus is coming. Come on. Amen. He wants us alerted. You know why? What's the number one reason He wants you alerted? He wants you happy. And we'll look at that tonight. Praise the Lord. We're preaching on happiness tonight. No, I'm just kidding. We're, not. We're going to preach on the coming of the Lord. So grab your Bibles, and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. How's that? <laughs> well, let's go back to Luke 21, and we'll do about five minutes of review because there's so much. And I know I go fast. I'll try to go slower and louder. Hallelujah. So uh, slow and loud's my new motto. Glory to God. So look at Luke 21. Look at verse 24. And Jesus makes this really clear. We'll do about five minutes of review. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So that happened in 70 A.D. Interesting, Jesus in 30 A.D. Uh, cursed the fig tree, the nation, uh, no fruit. Forty years later, one generation, Jerusalem's overthrown. It's amazing how flawless the timing is. Remember this morning we talked about 1917, Kenneth Hagin being born? One jubilee, 50 years later, Jerusalem was won back. Everything is like a perfectly flawless clock that He has. They're called moeds. I hear people say, well, this changes, that changes. No, we'll look at it tonight. We'll go to Daniel a little bit later and we'll look at how flawless God is and how it makes your faith get so strong because He's so amazing. Amen? So Jesus ties timing to Jerusalem being won back. Radical. So it's one back in our lifetime, 1967. So we're blessed. So then he goes down a little further in verse 29. He says, Look at the fig tree that's the nation of Israel. That'd be your timepiece. Why do you wear a watch? So you won't miss an appointment. You'll be where you're supposed to be on time. Now I say this about my wife. She has two speeds. She's like normal, slow and slower. Uh, she has a watch, but I don't think she understands how it works. But anyway, we wear a watch so that we're on time, okay? So Jesus says, "Look at Israel," and then he says some really cool things in the next three verses that are so precise. Verse thirty: When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer. Our harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, start prepping and start freaking out. No. He said, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So he said, you could know it. We aren't taught that a lot. We've been taught incorrectly. He said, you could know it. Okay? Go a little further there. That the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Then he said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all fulfilled. So we're the group of people that have seen those two events. So, we're it. Tag you're it. How blessed are we? So this morning we got into the other signs. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. You got the hundred and seventy two different species of predatory birds. You got the foxes showing up on the Temple Mount this last year you got fish in the Dead Sea. That was prophesied 2,500 years ago. Let me say that again. Ezekiel prophesied that 2,500 years ago. came to pass last year. So aren't we privileged to watch verse after verse after verse come to pass? I mean, we, we should be thumping each other going, man, this is all happening right in front of our eyes. No other generation has had verse after verse after verse. You think about the entrance of the king, the first coming of the Lord. His prophesied he'd be born in Jerusalem of the tribe of, 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 of uh, Judah. Born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. (laughs) He would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. They'd gamble over His robe. They'd pierce Him in His side. He'd wear a crown of thorns. It would get dark in the middle of the day while He's on the cross. Wow. Wow. Amen. I was preaching. Uh, I was witnessing to a Navy SEAL one time on a plane. I said, "What do you do about all these prophecies coming to pass?" The odds of that happening in one generation is 480 trillion times a billion, and another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance after so many zeros. This is what this Navy SEAL said to me. They read those prophecies and brought them to pass. I said, "An eclipse when Jesus is on the cross." Giddy up! Is not that crazy? That's what I said, Greg. I said, I said, wait a minute. You have more faith that you could make the the sun go in front of the moon at the exact time? I don't think so. So all these things show you how flawless God is. And so for all of that, for the first coming, eight times more verses about the second coming. So we get into all of that. You get into all the signs. You got the blood red moons. You got Bethlehem star. You should look look up the Bethlehem star on YouTube. It's an hour video by an attorney from Nashville. His bonus feature is two minutes long. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. He shows the heavens and what happens at certain... You put in certain dates and it'll show you exactly what the stars are doing. On Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock when Jesus is on the cross, you have a reverse eclipse and the passion land that's in the heavens, his heart goes black and that eclipse exactly when Jesus went home to be with the Lord right there. The flawlessness of it is crazy. It's because your dad doesn't make any mistakes. Amen. Amen. He's amazing. So so much stuff about the uh, second coming. Sign, 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 sign. Amazing. And we know the rapture of the church is signless, but the second coming has all these signs. So back up about seven or eight years and you've got the rapture of the church. I hear people get so mad at me. I do a weekly video on Wednesdays that comes out called The End of Days Update. And I go, I think we have a little bit more time. And man, all of a sudden the emails start rushing in. Why do you think we have a little more time? Because I think we have a little more time. but I don't think we have a lot of time. So how blessed are you to be that last runner of the relay? that God put so much invested. We'll get into it in the next few services, how He invested in this generation that in the ages to come, He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that first trusted in Him. We trusted in Him when we couldn't see Him. During that thousand-year reign, you're going to be pointing to Jesus and go, you need to receive Him. There He is right there. Because people have had children that make it through the last part of the tribulation that have kids when they reach the age of accountability. you got to preach to them in, in that time just like you do now. So you're not done after the rapture. You yeah, have a thousand years of functioning with God. We'll get into all that, but we're blessed. Yes. So blessed. So tonight, I'm going to sing the rest of the service. It'll be very powerful. No, no let's don't do that. Let's, let's get into the next event. There's, there, there's all these things. We'll try to get in chronological order. So let's go to the next event for you and I's life, and that is the rapture of the church. You hear some really weird preaching on the rapture on TV because they use uh, gospel verses that are really pertaining to the Jews and try to put them on us. This is one I'll read to you. Look at this. Look how cool this is. Look at Luke 21, verse 36, and watch this. He said, Watch ye therefore, verse 36, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now see, I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. Talking to Jewish boys, they needed to pray to be counted kind of worthy because he hasn't been raised from the dead. Once you get into the epistles, you're him. As he is, so are we in this world. So talking to the church, Paul said, You're not in darkness, so that David overtake you as a thief. Here he's telling these Jewish boys, you better pray, you might be kind of worthy because they're under the law trying to make sure they're worthy. Man, thank you, Jesus, for His blood. Everything we're going to get into tonight will magnify what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. Glory to God. Amen. So, let's go look at this. Grab your Bibles there and turn over to Thessalonians. You know the verses. We're going to get into it a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we've had a lot of teaching on this, but it's amazing how Paul, this was Paul's first letter to the church. What was the theme? The coming of the Lord. You get to Second Thessalonians, you know what he says? Paul said, don't you remember while I was with you I taught you these things? What did Paul teach on them while he was with them for two weeks? The rapture, the second coming, and stuff about the Antichrist. Why? They thought Nero was the Antichrist, so they thought they were in the tribulation. And Paul said, don't worry, the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church departs. You have so much authority, God has to take the church off the earth. Because he's going to deal with man under Old Covenant terms. And we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. I'll just say this because, man, we'll get into all of it tonight. Germany, in this dispensation, this is how much uh, authority the church has. Germany killed six million Jews and prospered. Because in this dispensation, God's not mad at anybody. So he has to take the church off the earth so he can do stuff kind of rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat during the... Tribulation period. He takes his gloves off during that seven-year period and protects Israel. In this dispensation, he doesn't do that. Israel, six million of them got killed. Why? Because it was up to the church. Church's fault. Well, that goes over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. So let's get into this. First Thessalonians chapter four. And this is bizarre, but the Bible is so clear about this and we have precedence for it and it brings joy. So look at first Thessalonians chapter four. Look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. So he's writing this to them so they'll be happy and hopeful. So the teaching on the rapture is for one purpose, happy and hopeful. And then he goes on from verse 14. says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, because of this, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching on the rapture was to bring comfort. And we know that's the word exhort. means to call nearer to God. You want to be, you want to be close to Him right there at the rapture. Just like if you're getting married when Colleen and I got engaged, we talked more after we got engaged than before we got engaged. Your, your relationship intensifies. It doesn't decrease. So He wants you just before the coming of the Lord to have your relationship with Him intense. And what an amazing deal that all of a sudden we're going to be evacuated from the planet. I mean, people go, is this really going to happen? They say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. It's the word haparzo. It means to be taken. The Greek word and the Hebrew word go back to the root of rapture Latin, rapture. You'll be taken off the earth. Now, why is that a big deal? Enoch walked with God, raptured. Hands off to Noah. Noah rides the flood, just like the Jews will ride the tribulation. God's into handing off. Elijah, raptured. Hands off to Elisha. Jesus, raptures, Hand off to the church. The church, raptures. Hands off to the Jews. God raises up 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and they go out and evangelize after we're gone. So there, it's an amazing deal. So think of it. Enoch's gone. He's, he disappears, raptured. Elijah. Elisha. Those sons of the prophets came to him and said, don't you know they're going, your master's going to be taken today? Yeah, I know it. Shut up. He knew the day that he was going to be raptured. Said, you're going to be, he's going to be taken. So in the old covenant, they, they knew the day that Elijah was going to go up. And you think about Lot. When the angels came down there to Lot and said, hey, we've got to get you out of the city, the angel said, we can't do anything here till we get the righteous out. So God takes the righteous out before judgment comes. Well, and you look at what the rapture of the church really is, is He comes back for His ambassadors. Last year, Israel uh, took His ambassadors out of southern Turkey, thought a war was about to break out. Who did they evacuate first? Ambassadors. So we as ambassadors for Christ are going to be taken off the earth. I know the weirdest thing that sounds like it, but all of a sudden, man, this mortal is going to put on immortality. There's going to be a shout with the voice of the archangel. Glory to God. And in an atomic second, a period of time that can't be divided, you're going to be changed. (laughs) Wow. This mortal is going to put on a brand new body. How cool is that going to be? Never get tired again. Never gain weight again. Come on. You'll never say you're bored ever again. Our vocabulary is going to change. It's going to be wonderful. So we get this new body. What's the purpose of the rapture? You need a different body. You think about in the Old Covenant, you look at cherubim and seraphim. Uh, they, the, the seraphim fly around the throne. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of His glory. They have th- four sets, really more than that, six sets of wings. Two wings cover their face, two wings cover their feet, two wings that they fly with. They're created to be at the throne, yet they have to shield themselves from His glory. The radiation of God they can't handle it. Remember in Exodus 19? He said, put a fence around the mountain lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God was mad at them. He's just holy and pure and they couldn't handle it. So we're going to get us this new body where we can walk in and talk to Dad and our rods and our cones won't be fried. Wouldn't that be weird to go say hi to Dad? Uh, what's wrong? I can't see for three weeks. You know, that that preacher Richard Sigmund that was in that car wreck, who died went to heaven, came back to life in the morgue. Could you imagine being working in the morgue? Some guy comes back. That's kind of crazy. He said he was in heaven. Said, "Oh wow, sunrise! How cool is this? I hadn't thought of a sunrise in heaven." You know, looked up and it was Jesus walking up over the hill. He's the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of His person. Of holding all things by the word of His power, when by Himself He purged our sins. That's who you're about to see. You're about to see God face to face. So for that, for that, you're going to get you a retrofitted body that you can uh, handle the presence of God. So why is that a big deal? Well, we always go back to Scripture. Always go to Scripture when you you, you can't figure out what some your brother so and so said, this sister so and so. What's the Bible say? Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, and uh, He came back in His glorified body. And, and, uh, he, he, what I love about him, they're on the road to Emmaus and the disciples saw him and he kept himself hidden from them. Don't you love that? He likes to play jokes on people? He kept his, their eyes were beholden to who he was and they're walking along and Jesus said, why are you guys sad? He goes, well, they crucified our Lord and the Bible says he would have kept right on walking, but they constrained him to stay for dinner. As he sat down for dinner, he took them through the word and showed them Christ in the old covenant. He's sitting there in their presence and still took them through the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they broke bread and He disappeared. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us the words that He spoke to us? His words are spirit in their life. So, you know, they go back and tell Thomas, man, we saw Him. He ate with us. Uh, he taught us the Word. And then He disappeared. Thomas goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> the staff that's going to start this thing. No, you didn't. You didn't see Him. In fact, I don't even believe it. I, I won't believe it until I see the hole in the side. Hold His hands. We'll not believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas. <laughs> Reach hither your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless with believing. Don't you love it? The Lord knows every word you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They freaked out. He's a spirit. I guess it freaked him out. He walked right through the wall. He said, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So instantly you see what our, our glorified body is going to be like. What's the first thing Jesus said? He, he, he said, where's the beef? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, where's the kale? Where's the lettuce? The first thing Jesus said when He walked through the wall, do you have any meat? So in a glorified body, He walks through the wall and still has an appetite. We're going to be so normal that it's going to be cool. So in that glorified body, you can walk through walls. You can still be handled. He said, handle me. And then you still have an appetite. And the first thing He wanted was beef. Glory to God. So it's not going to be weird isn't it sad that the Lord is presented as ethereal and weird? Most people think that during the millennium we're just going to be playing harps for a thousand years. If that was true, we'd be in harp class right now. No. We're we're, we're, we're learning to trust Him through His Word. That even if I'm in Jerusalem and Jesus is in Tulsa, I know His thought pattern because of His Word. He, that's right, yeah. I meant to say that. Tulsa, I learned that from Pastor David. When you say Tulsa, you have to cross your hands like that. Tulsa, 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 Tulsa. So, so here we, we see these changes coming. First of all, because you, you need a new body. Second of all, you're going to be evacuated. And isn't it wonderful? Paul said, go down to chapter 5. Watch what he says. He gets even clearer. He says in chapter 5, But at the times and seasons, brethren, I have no need to write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the, deep the night. Now watch him differentiate between the world and the church here. You'd think people could figure this out. But watch what he says. For when they, the world, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, the world. As travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that they should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not in the night nor of darkness. He basically said right there, you'll know what day it is. It's not going to surprise you or overtake you. We'll get into more of that later here. It's going to freak you out because it's Bible. So then you'd know when the Lord's coming back. Yeah. How many knew when your wedding was going to be? And see, it gets really quiet when you talk about that. But did your wedding take you by surprise? Man, Lauren's wedding, we had nine bridesmaids. She had a list of things I had to do. I've never worked so hard in all my life. Literally, it didn't take me by surprise. It was labor to get ready. We had saved the date. Here we go. So we're going to get into a little bit of this about how we'll know how close we are. Because the Lord loves you. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about this a little bit. What's the qualifications? we want to go through each one bit by bit and then we'll get to Daniel here in a minute. But What's the qualifications for going up in the rapture? Look at verse 14. The Bible answers it for you there in chapter 4. Verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also then would sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. The requirement to go up in the rapture is to be in Christ. Now people preach now. I watch them on TV. 18 different reasons why you're not going up in the rapture. See, that produces fear. That doesn't produce faith. And they're all using law verses from the Gospels. The, the Things are different after the resurrection. The rules have changed. Why? You're Him. You know, I might be the stupidest, most ill-advised, most idiotic, most brainless, most witless part of the body, but I'm still in the body. My friends call me the hangnail on the body. I'm still in glory to God. So the, the, the prerequisite to go up in the rapture is to be in Christ. You say, what do you mean? I had a lady one time in, in Galveston go, "How dare you say if you're born again you're going up? How can you how can you say that?" And the Holy Spirit said, uh, <laughs> "Ask her whose works would she rather trust in—her works or Jesus' works?" I basically have uh, going to relax and enjoy His works. The first thing you're gonna see when you get to heaven, you're gonna see the throne, and you're gonna see the rainbow, and there's a basin right in front of that rainbow, right in front of that throne. There's a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Come on. And that price was the highest price that ever was, or ever will be. He purchased you, and at the rapture of the church, He will seize you. It's called Harpazo. He'll take you off the earth, and there we'll be with Him forever. Hallelujah. You talk about shouting, you talk about, you talk about a reunion. All of us that have had loved ones going home to be with the Lord, all of a sudden, you talk about a reunion we're going to get changed and altered and we're going to go right there hallelujah evac to heaven glory to God so the qualifications to be in Christ born again I heard people they they so want to earn it you know well if you do this and this you'll make it no he did it just like salvation you can't boast you can't do the Barney Fife deal because I I got buddies you know they'll start doing the Barney Fife deal oh yeah I had a miracle last week they start walking different having a miracle last week oh yeah oh yeah I had a miracle last week Hello. It's like the donkey riding to Jerusalem. It's not the donkey, it's who's riding on the donkey. Good night everybody. Drive safely. Alright, so let's talk about this because I wanna I want to get into it for a minute, because we don't we don't hear a lot of teaching on it. And uh to be honest with you, there's been such weird stuff about the rapture, but it's supernaturally clear and upfront about how we'll be taken off the earth. I know that sounds bizarre. But, but it'll be so fast it won't even freak us out. And then with the old, the old songs, the graves will burst open. The graves aren't going to burst open. Those ones are going to get their brand new body and they're going to be reunited with their glorified body as they go up. They'll get a body right there and go right through the coffin just like you're going to go right through the ceiling. And you, the Bible says that the, you'll have the voice of the archangel. It's just like when Moses, when the devil contended over the body of Moses and the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. You watch the devil, he's going to try to say, hey, they're on my territory. You can't evacuate them off the war, off the earth. And the... the uh, the archangel is going to say, The Lord rebuke you. Ooh, glory to God. Amen. And with the shout and the command of Jesus of Nazareth. Think of how powerful He is. He's able to subdue even all things unto Himself. He's going to say one word, and you're going to com- get a completely brand new body. Wow. Giddy up. That's powerful. Alright, so let's talk about timing. Anybody want to know about Timing. This is so cool because we were never taught this in the 70s. You know, we were taught, my mom said every night, in 1970, Jesus is coming tonight. They get that weird look and that weird sound. The rapture's happening tonight. I'm like, really? Well, I went to bed every night going, Lord, I love you because I didn't want to miss the rapture. You can either be haughty or humble. So you can go, I don't believe that, or you can go, I'm in. And that's what the whole purpose of the tribulation is for is because of haughtiness. People are so hard-headed, they got to go through some pressure to get them to receive. So let's talk about this rapture thing. This is the only little hidden reference in the Gospels. Because you can't find rapture doctrine in the Gospels just like you can't find the church age. It was a mystery. Church age was a mystery. Rapture is a mystery. Not to be hidden from you, to be hidden for you. Remember they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter cut that guy's ear off. He's trying to cut his head off. They thought it was Jesus was going to set up His kingdom but there was a 2,000 year gap called the church age. So there's one little hidden reference, and this one's really cool. There's a couple references we'll get into. But one of them is in John 14. Remember, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, listen, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Now the, the wild thing about those verses right there was that's a Jewish wedding proposal. He just told His staff, Will you marry me? And I'm sure they looked at each other and said, Is He talking to us? Because dude, don't ask dudes to marry him. At least they used to, didn't <laughs> So I'm sure they thought he's been in the sun too long. You know, he's been in the heat. So here Jesus asked them to marry him. Now, in a Jewish tradition, this is the cool part about the rapture. In the Jewish wedding tradition, a man would ask a woman to marry him. He would go back to his father's house. The father would oversee the construction of a honeymoon suite. And the father would tell the son when the room is ready for him to go get his bride. So I interviewed lady after lady after lady in Israel. I go, would you kind of know when he was going to come? She goes, well, of course we did. We wouldn't want to spend $600 on perfume. And it's two weeks later. I said, how would you know? She said, we'd almost know to the day. I go, how would you know to the day? She said, word would come to us that the room is almost done. Get ready. Word's come to you right now from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The room's done. The fullness of the Gentiles is just about in. Jerusalem's been won back. Hebrew language has been restored. Ethiopian Jews are brought back. How much more word do you need to get before you realize He's about to come get us? So this woman looked at me like I was crazy. One of them said, are you serious? You you think you're not supposed to know? In their culture, of course they knew. And what would happen was to get down to the the last building of it getting ready to be done, most ladies said, we knew how how long it was going to take because if they had a lot of money, it was going to be elaborate. If they didn't have a lot of money, it was going to be pretty simple. So it was all based on how rich the family was. So there were several ways they knew how close it was. The father would tell the son, go get your bride. And with a shout, he goes out to meet her and she comes out to greet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. So soon, we were taught, you didn't didn't know? Go talk to those Jewish ladies. they go, of course we would know. We're so privileged and so blessed. That we have revelation about how close it is. Now, I could miss it by a mile, but I believe the week of the rapture, you'll be looking at each other going, man, I, I think it could be this week. We'll get into some more of the timing of it here in just a minute. Amen. Amen. Cause it's not gonna, he said, you're not in darkness so that day would overtake you. Much more you could get into there, but let's just, let's kick over some sacred cows for a minute. You ready? He said, on oh, that day and that hour, no man knows. Okay, when Jesus said that, he was telling them he's coming back with them on Feast of Trumpets. Okay? Let's get into that for just a minute. Let's talk about it a little bit. Here, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. Oh man, this is a lot of info, but just hang with me. Everybody buckle up, everybody with me? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, what were the feasts of the Lord? They weren't Jewish feasts, they were festivals of the Lord. What were they for? They were for basically photographs of what was to come. Or dress rehearsals for what was to come. So the first feast was the Feast of Passover. Remember when they put the lamb on the doorpost and the death angel passed over them? Well, Jesus went to the cross on what feast? Passover. Flawless. John said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was the next feast? The next feast was unleavened bread. Jesus was buried on unleavened bread. <laughs> Normally, someone was on the cross almost a week to be a spectacle, but Jesus had a feast to keep. What was unleavened bread? They took three pieces of bread, the middle piece, they pierced it, they folded it, and they, folded it, and they broke it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Born in Bethlehem. What's Bethlehem mean? Home of the bread. So Jesus goes to the cross on Passover, buried on the festival of unleavened bread. What's the next feast? First fruits. What happened on first fruits? Jesus is raised from the dead. Flawlessly on first fruits. Okay, 50 days later, what happened 50 days later? Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. What's the next feast that is to be fulfilled? The feast of trumpets. Your president's name and vice president's name mean the coming of the Lord. So, there, you know, I'm not really crazy adamant about Feast of Trumpets, but there's several other things about the Feast of Trumpets. It's the beginning of a coronation of a king. You have a private ceremony and then you have a public ceremony. We get to go to the private ceremony. He'll be presented to us as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Second coming, he'll be presented to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. It also is the beginning of seven days of awe mirroring the seven years of tribulation. So what would happen? Now this is the complex part, but I'm going to try to do it where we get it, okay? On the Feast of Trumpets, it was a three-day period that was on the 29.5th day of the month, on the new moon. So the Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out. Is it really Feast of the Trumpets yet? Because they had to see the new moon. So it was one of those three-day periods. That's why it'll be the Rosh Hashanah, or Feast of Trumpets, is about a three-day period. That's the three days he's going to come for the church. It happens every September. I'm not dogmatic about it, but every September I know exactly when it starts. This year it's September 18th. I'm going to be doing the Lord a little wave offering. September 18th, September 19th, September 20th. I know when it starts in Israel. I know when it's done here. You say you think it's going to happen on one of those three days? He fulfilled all the other feasts flawlessly and for sure we will fulfill this one like that as well. So, well, if you knew that, you'd know when the Lord's coming. I don't know which year it is, but every single year, I'm going, I love you, Lord, hallelujah. I got songs coming out of my spirit, because I'm about to see Him face to face. So, there, that's the, the, the flawlessness. If you got into more stuff about Feast of Trumpets, it'd freak you out. It's just, we weren't taught these things, and now that revelation's coming to the church, how perfect it is of the timing of God. And then you got the Feast of Tabernacles where he's going to come back and physically tabernacle with men. Let me just throw in a little curve here before we go to Daniel because I want to go to Daniel. Enoch was... Listen to this. This is crazy. Enoch was born on Pentecost, raptured on Pentecost, the law was given on Pentecost, And the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, so the rapture could could be could take place on Pentecost because it started the church started on Pentecost. It might end right during Pentecost. So on Pentecost, I'm paying attention, and on Feast of Trumpets, I'm paying attention. But he said, "I'm not in darkness that day would overtake me, so I'm going to be aware because I believe the Bible." You could have everybody else preach whatever they want, but the Bible says you're not in darkness that day would overtake you. So it's not going to overtake you because that's what the Bible says. Amen. So let's run over. Let's look at a little bit more. There's so much you get into because I don't, I don't want to, don't want to wear you out. I want you to be excited about coming back. Hallelujah. And I guess I could sing some great things off my greatest hits album, but let's don't do that. Hit CD number seven. We'll go into that one. That'd be good. Go to Daniel because I'm going to show you that you can't be here during the tribulation because there's tons of different, man, there's people that are mid-trib, post-trib. I mean, people that are really sharp and everything. So I want to give you some verses that show you that the church has to depart before the tribulation can even start. Wouldn't it be good to know that? Paul said it there in 2 Thessalonians. Don't worry, the Antichrist can't even be revealed till you depart. It's the word apostasy. We thought it was a falling away from the faith. It's not a falling away from the faith. If the Antichrist would have come then, he would have come a thousand years ago in the dark ages. It's talking about the departure of the church. If you look at the root matter of the word, it's exactly the same word as Enoch departed. You depart, and it reverts back to Old Covenant time, and that's what we'll look at. Go to Daniel, grab your Bibles there, Everybody still with me a little bit? Everybody happy? Everybody everybody mad? Woo! Glory. All right, go to Daniel if I can find Daniel. Help me, Jesus. Where is Daniel? Daniel chapter nine. Now these are (laughs) thank you. These are we're going to get to the coolest verses I think in the Bible. The most flawless cool verses that Gabriel's going to tell Daniel. But before that, he's going to set some things up to make things make sense for us. So look at Daniel chapter 9, look at verse 1. This sounds complicated, but it's really not, so just run with me mentally for a minute, okay? Chapter 9, verse 1, this is Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, which was the son of whatever that is, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Hmm. He goes, well, I set my face on the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, all that's happening here is Daniel's smart enough to go, hey, we're in captivity, why are we in captivity? He went back to the books and found out they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay, And they fudged and planted on that seventh year. Guess how long they fudged? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So God let them go into captivity to pay the land back what they owed it. Look how flawless God is in the old covenant. They missed it for 490 years. They owed the land exactly 70 years. Okay? With that in your mind, get ready to get the coolest verses. Skip over to verse 23. You with me? Go to verse 23. Here's Gabriel talking to Daniel. So cool. Daniel 9, verse 23. Watch this. how clear this is. At the beginning of thy supplication, this is Gabriel talking to Daniel, at the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and i am come to show you, you're greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. He goes, 70 weeks are determined upon thy city, and upon upon thy people, upon the holy city. Now, 70 weeks is another way of saying 70 segments of seven, or another 490 years. You missed it for 490, God's given you guys another 490. Remember Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7, 490 times. Now hang with me a little bit because he's going to get super, super clear. Watch what he says. He goes, hey, this time you're, you guys missed it for 490? God's given the Jews and Jerusalem another 490 years. What is it for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. Here we go. Here comes the crazy... Cool stuff know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah comes is going to be a certain amount of years. And I'm going to add it up for you. He's going to tell him exactly the year Jesus is going to come. Now what, what, he said there's going to be a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes, he looks at Nehemiah and Nehemiah is all depressed. What's wrong? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry. I'm going to make a commandment. King Artaxerxes goes, da, 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 we shall rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said when the commandment goes forth until Jesus comes, it's going to be exactly 483 years. Okay. God's given them 490. So remember when Jesus was on the earth, they said, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. Even John goes, John goes, go ask him if he's the one because I'm about to get my head cut off. (laughs) He had a few doubts there. Jesus said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. But there came a time Jesus came riding in on that colt into Jerusalem. They put the palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh man, don't let them do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from that commandment coming forth. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. Takes the church off the earth and repays them those seven years. What's it for? It's to anoint the Most Holy. To bring everlasting righteousness. That seven-year period is all flawless things to get the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. Wow. So it's not for you, it's for them. It's for the Jews and for the Holy City. It has nothing to do with the church. In fact, it's so old covenant, the temple's gonna be rebuilt and they're gonna start having sacrifices again. That's why the Temple Mount Institute, I talked about this morning, has been in, in, in place for 25 years now. They're ready. You should see everything that they have. They're ready. This last year, they, they, this, I, you know, didn't get into all of this, but this year, the Sanhedrin, Asked Benjamin Netanyahu if they could have sacrifices. They said, he said no. They went up on the side of the Temple Mount and had a truck unloaded in an altar from the back of the truck and had sacrifices right there on the temple, edge of the Temple Mount. You have, uh, what's her name? The, 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 uh, police department, uh, what do you call it? The deputy of the police? He went before the Temple Mount Institute and said, hey, we need to start letting the Jews get up on the Temple Mount to have sacrifices. So there's this push for what? Sacrifices, because right after the church leaves, they're going to reinstate that, and they're going to go back to seven years of old covenant time. So look how flawless that is. Jesus came exactly to the year from that commandment going forth. So he owes them seven years of old covenant time. He's going to take the church off the earth. And in that seven years, we talked about this morning. It's called the, the tribulation period. Isn't it wonderful? When Gabriel was telling Daniel about this, it looked so horrible. Daniel was kind of depressed. And what, what did Gabriel say? Don't worry. The Ancient of Days will prevail. Ooh, hallelujah. So, so you're watching the earth get ready for your dad. Your dad to bring in the son of God into the earth. Everything that's happening in the last hundred years. You have the chain wiseman in 1907 invented TNT to help them win World War I. What happened in the church? Azusa revival. 1917, Alame goes into Jerusalem. What happened? Hagen born. 1948, Israel's made a nation. Healing revival. Raymond T. Ritchie had so many miracles in Tulsa, they had to take away wheelchairs and flatbed trucks. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. 1967, Jerusalem won back. Charismatic renewal. We're all part of the charismatic renewal. So what does this mean? It means these are days of great change. You had the charismatic revival, you had the word revival. You had, right now, the gospel's going all over the world. I mean, there, Jesus is appearing to children in Iran. I have my buddy from Iran raise us off. He's about this tall. I play golf with him. I try to take as many pictures as I can with him so it makes me look tall. He said, you know, uh, uh, the Jesus will appear to a little kid in Iran and the, they won't tell the parents, but they'll tell the grandparents. The grandparents won't do it, but the, the parents want to kill the kids because they convert to Jesus. So it's just a day where all of this stuff, all of this stuff you're seeing. Matthew 24, when they ask Jesus, what's it going to look like before you come? He talks about (laughs) earthquakes in diverse places, uh, famine, pestilence. And it's the word sorrows. The word sorrows is the word birth pains, contractions. That's not the tribulation. The tribulation starts in verse 9 of Matthew 24. So Jesus is un, un, uh, literally unveiling the seals right there in Matthew 24. But just before it, you'll have some things on the earth that bring a lot of pressure. And you're watching it right in front of our eyes. You have a pandemic. You have people going crazy. You have all kinds of stuff. And that's what the Bible said it would be like just before the coming of the Lord. Perilous times. Exposure to danger. But when you know your authority, you know that He's given His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Yeah. So that you won't even dash your foot against a the stone. They tried to kill Jesus. Couldn't kill Him. He walked right through the midst of them. So with all of this, you get the earth getting ready to have a handoff. Now I'm stopping right now, but I want you to get this. Wow, 6:15. I'm stopping. I have dear friends in Israel, wonderful buddies of mine, that we talk about. Uh, 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 we talk about Jesus, and they won't receive Jesus yet. And I said, "Well, if he's not your Messiah, you better start killing some animals." He goes, "Oh, we don't do that anymore." He met me in Tulsa last year. Said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about the Ezekiel 38 war." I said, "You know about the Ezekiel 38 war?" He goes, "Yeah, the church is going to be raptured, and God's going to intervene." In that war, Russia comes down on Israel and God intervenes. How does God intervene? Because the church is gone. This Israeli man sat there and talked to me about all this. And I thought, I said, God, look at you. Get all these Israeli guys ready that we're going to hand off to them. The Bible says the spirit of supplication is going to come upon them. So you got Israeli guys right now in Israel, tons of different ones, that are get best friends with who? Word of faith preachers. Because they're ready. God's going to hand off to them And they're going to have 12,000 from each tribe go out and preach. And the Bible says their harvest is innumerable. They'll have some help from a couple of witnesses. That'll be kind of radical. And you know, the Bible says when the two witnesses are killed, that the earth rejoices and gives each other gifts. And then after three days, they're raised from the dead. But you know what? The, The world is happy when God's ministers get murdered. That's how messed up the world is. Well, you can see it right now. So what a time to be on the earth when everything is a vortex of things getting ready for the entrance of the king. So you got the catching away of the church, catching away of the saints, then you got God dealing with the earth under old covenant rules. So he can kind of play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. And then amazing that in this dispensation his hands are tied. It's a, he gave the church all authority. I'll give you this and I'll shut up. I remember I was preaching in Pittsburgh and I'd had a, I prayed for a little baby had Down syndrome. The baby got healed of Down syndrome. They took the test, you know, and said, well it's not mongoloid anymore, but the face was changing, you know, bit by bit. The doctor said, "I'm not even going to give him the test because it still it still looks mongoloid." They said, well, "We'll pay for it." Did the test? Six hundred bucks. He goes, "I don't understand this. The chromosomes are different." So that family supported me for almost twenty five years. Sent me a check every month. I said, "You don't need to do that." They were so happy because of their baby got healed. So I was there one year. This is in Pittsburgh. They said, "Why don't you pray over our thirteen year old?" It's always—he doesn't have Down syndrome, but it's good to pray over a 13-year-old. Am I in the right room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that night when the youth were going to come back in after the service, I said, "Well, let's pray pray for them just when they come back in." And I preached on heaven that night. I never preach about heaven, so I preached about heaven. And the youth weren't even in there, and they came in at the end. And I said, well, "Let's get that young man, the 13-year-old. And let's pray for him." So, we, as we came in, you know, I laid hands on him, and I just spoke the word: His disciple taught the Lord, greatest is peace and uncircumposure. composure." Uh, he trusts the Lord with all of His heart, leans not to His own understanding. all of His ways He acknowledges Him. The Lord directs His path. His pathway, there is light and there is no darkness at all. He hearkens to the voice of the Lord, a stranger's voice He does not follow. Prayed over Him. A 13-year-old, it's good, good to be prayed over with the Word. He falls out of the power, lays there. He's out cold. You know, you finish the service up, he's still laying there. And as you watch him, he was doing like my golden retriever. He was dreaming. His arms and legs are moving just like my dog does. And they said, what's wrong with him? I said, well, he's out cold. Don't, don't mess with him. Let him enjoy it. Come time to leave the building, you know. They said, well, we got to go. I said, what we do? I said, well, pick him up and haul him home. They picked him up, carried him home. He's out cold. He gets home, middle of the night. He wakes up. He goes, Hey, I went to heaven. They said, shut up. It's the middle of the night. He said, no, I went to heaven and saw grandpa the night. They said, they said, you're crazy. He said, grandpa took his biscuits and gravy and he scraped the biscuits through the gravy. That's exactly how grandpa did. They said, man, you saw grandpa. He said, that was cool, but it wasn't as cool as seeing Jesus. Jesus came walking into the room, had a golden stick. Scepter of righteousness is the scepter of my kingdom. Jesus told that 13 year old, I can't do anything on the earth. I gave my church all of my authority. That thirteen-year-old got up the next night. He didn't do. He he didn't do Elvis Presley. He didn't go like this. He go. He didn't go like that. He got up. Said Jesus said that we have all of His authority. He said you should have heard the inspired utterance. Go forth in His name. Go forth in His authority. Show forth what happened when Jesus came out of the grave. So all of a sudden, the church that has all that authority has to be evacuated, so God can do some things with the nation of Israel. Then He's going to present Himself just like Joseph did. We said this morning. At the very end. The most amazing plan ever. Thank God the Jews missed it and God had to raise up the Gentiles. You know how you know how a whole nation missed it? You know how they missed it? Irritability. Not adultery, not murder, irritability. In Romans chapter 10, he turned to the Jews because he to the Gentiles because he got tired of the Jews complaining. That goes real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. So it's usually it's usually not the big things that keep us out of the will of God, it's complaining. Okay, good night, we'll see you later. <laughs> no, so, so, so you're swat, I'm saying this because the rapture of the church is a culmination for the church of all these things that are getting ready to happen. You have to be evacuated because God's getting ready to deal with old covenant rules. And when you can see all of this stuff for them with old covenant rules, it should be preaching to us, we're about to leave the planet. If I told you all the stuff that was happening around the Temple Mount, it would freak you out. How close they are to having sacrifices. So we're, we're about to leave the planet. Does everybody understand Daniel's 70th week? How That's that seven year period called the tribulation. That he owes them that seven years of old covenant time. Man, God's amazing. So some understand some don't. Anybody not understand it? Everybody got it. Alright, it's time for me to sing. Hallelujah, here we go. You think about the song. Soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. No more dying there. Man, things are about to get altered for us. Now if you look at the tribulation, I'll break it up for a second and then we'll close. The first half is 42 months. Three and a half years. Last half, three and a half years, 42 months. Jesus had three and a half years about doing good, healing all that to the devil. The Antichrist is going to have three and a half years. Midway through the trib, he's going to enter into that guy. This is the sad part about all the Jews right now. They go, the Messiah is just about to come. It'll actually be the false Messiah to be the Antichrist. They'll, they'll realize halfway through that, wow, we got hoodwinked. This is not the Messiah. This is the devil. So the Bible, hang with me and I'm closing right here. The Bible says the devil knows that he has but a short time. That's midway through the trib. He doesn't know what time it is right now. He's an idiot. Yeah, the Bible says midway through the trib, he knows he has but a short time when he enters into the Antichrist. That's the only time ever in the Bible that says he knows what, how much time is left. He knows he has but a short time. So very soon, the earth's going to have three and a half years of his working and you see what happens. He goes about killing, stealing, and destroying. And when Jesus was here, he brought life everywhere. So all this stuff in the earth, if I got into all the stuff about Turkey, all the stuff about the nations around Israel, how everything is set up for what's going to happen after we leave, it's one thing after another. Iran's getting ready to invade Israel. They think they'll bring their Messiah in by attacking Israel. And so Turkey's doing the same thing. So you have these two groups that are crazy that wanna annihilate Israel. They said Israel's the rabid dog of the Middle East. And it's funny, Iran wants to kill Israel, Satan, and America, the great Satan. They don't say anything about Sweden, they don't say anything about Norway, they don't say anything about Switzerland. It's America and Israel. Why? Israel produced Jesus and America is the biggest preacher of Jesus. So look at Lucifer's mentality. He hates Israel and hates America. That's why you're seeing so much happen right now. Lucifer wants to shut down what's going to happen before Jesus comes, but he can't. Amen. All right, rapture. We're going to get to, we're going to give us a brand new body. You ready for that brand new body? Come on. Never get tired again. Never gain weight again. Come on. How cool is it going to be? And still eat cheeseburgers. I'm in. Come on. Let's thank Him for a minute. There's so much you can get into, but I want to keep moving so you come back. Lord, we love You tonight. Thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy. We're so amazed that we're going to depart the planet saying we'll be raptured. We thank You for these... Signs of the second coming that show us how close we are to all of these changes. Father, we thank You what You've given Pastor David and Pastor Scarlett for, for this church, Lord. We thank You for the, the mission You've given them and the call You've given them. I thank You for great days of the glory of God right here from this building, Lord. We thank You for great impartation of the days to come. Uh, thank You for, for literally uh, uh, orders from headquarters. Every time we gather, Lord, intensify what we're all called to do. We thank you for that. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, somebody, you got some kind of damage in your nerve. I'd say it's kind of like sciatica. You know, I guess it's that nerve that runs down your back and your leg. Don't see if you're healed, see that you are healed. Amen. Now, you know, I, I preached too long, so I'm not going to call you down, but I used to call everybody down. Uh, but, but he loves you. Some, ser- that church in Corbin, I'd have a word of knowledge. Now I don't talk like this because I don't have time for anymore, but I'd have a word of knowledge. There's a man here, you, you, uh, got cancer or your prostate. Nobody come down. I said, alright, I'll show you who it is, this man right here. He goes, that's right, I just got diagnosed. Next word of knowledge, I called out. Nobody come down. I said, alright, I'll show you who it is. Someone's got arthritis in their tailbone. says this lady right here. She goes, I just got diagnosed with arthritis in my tailbone. You know what? After the service, the pastor came up to me. Every one of those people were visitors. So God reached out to, to get them, show them how much he loves them. He's just awesome. Let's thank Him for a minute. Lord, You're amazing. You're, you're absolutely so good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your kindness. Lord, we, we give You glory. We give You honor and give You praise. Bless you, Bless you, Jesus. Bless You, Jesus. Bless You, Jesus. We thank You for days of great change, Lord. Days of great change. Great change. Thank You for great boldness in the church, Lord, that we'll finish out with a, a blaze of glory. We thank You for it. Ministry of angels, gifts of the Spirit, authority in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pick up those mantles that were maybe laid aside for different times and we pick them up right now for this season before we before we depart, Lord. And we walk with You. We speak for You. And we're Your friends and Your children in the earth. We thank You for it. Praise God. Praise God. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. You know, I, I stand here because I just wait for a minute, just to make sure I don't miss something. I was in a meeting in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Called out, someone had damage in their fingernails. I so called out, and nobody came down. Well, about twelve people came down, but I said, uh, there, this is, "There's no one here that I'm looking for." You know how you'll know with a word of knowledge. I said, but I'm going to pray for you all in faith. That's okay. And the person didn't come down that had damage on their fingernail. Their their ring finger on their left hand had no fingernail. I didn't know it. She walked up to me in Boston last year. She goes, you called that out 25 years ago. I was afraid to come down. So two days later, I said, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't go down to get my fingernail. I'll take it right now. Right then, her fingernail grew in. That night, her boyfriend asked her to marry her put a ring on her finger. She's pastoring in a church in Lyconia, New Hampshire. So he he loves you so much he wants you to have a fingernail on your ring finger. I could tell you stories all night of the craziest, craziest stuff. One of them, I'll give you one more. I was preaching in Glenwood Springs. The Lord told me that a man bruises male parts. I said, Lord, I'm not calling that out. I mean, seriously, he said a man bruises male parts. I said, Lord, I'm not calling that out. He goes, You're chicken. I said, All right, there's a man here. You bruise your male parts, and nobody moves. I mean, so I waited. Back then, I would sit down on the platform and I said, I'm not leaving until you come. I said, this is what I do for a living? So I said, I'm not leaving. I sat down on the platform. Right then, the pastor stood up. He's a friend of mine. He had some surgery not to have any more children. And I said, no, that's not it. How embarrassing to tell the whole congregation you just had surgery not to have any more kids. I said, no, that's not it. I waved. I said, I'm not leaving until you come. I sat on the platform. I saw a guy on a horse come through this thicket. There was a creek. The horse came to that thicket. Instead of jumping it, he dove his head down like that and stopped. The man flew off the horse, caught himself on the horn of the saddle. I go back to that church every year and I go, uh, his name's Rusty. I go, Rusty, tell everybody what the Lord did for you. He goes, man, leave me alone. Come on. See, He loves you. It's extreme. Thank you for coming tonight. Don't you love... Man, I absolutely love these guys doing this. It just blesses me. It does something to my soul. Thank you. Thank you, thank you.